Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. Um, it's been a pretty uneventful week this uh, in the world of Tottenham Hotspur, at least. Um, Reg Baines, it's uh, it's not been an uneventful week for you though, mate, has it? How are, how are you getting well, on? Like, well, it hasn't. It hasn't. In the, I've been self-isolated since Saturday, so yeah. Oh no, since Thursday actually. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's all fine. We've had uh, COVID come into the household, so I've had your track and trace on the phone and email and everything. I've been on lockdown, individual lockdown rather than national lockdown, so I've done uh, sweet fuck all. Uh, luckily, I've got a job where I can work from home and everything, which has managed to keep me just about sane, but it's it, as I was telling you before, it's pissed it down from morning till night consistently, so even if I wanted to go and try and do a workout in the garden, or out, I, I can't because it's fucking saturated it's been uh, positively biblical but um i've used that time productively you'll be pleased to know and i've um, made a decent inroads into the last of us too uh, having bought it during lockdown and i think i got about 10 hours in of like a 25 to 30 hour play time apparently and then i kind of as the world started to open back up we'll get again kind of forgot about it and now i've i think i've done about another 10 hours now so i should uh, should almost be finished hopefully you hearing clickers all over the place and that. Yeah, it's, it's just, um, to tell you what it is, it's, um, we'll get on to Tottenham in a bit. People expect this of us by now, hopefully, but, um, I find it really, um, really draining to play in a, and I don't mean that in a bad way. Well, it is bad and good in that, you know, people who like complete it in like a day. Yeah. I don't understand how they have the, have like the, the durability to go through it because it, it's is it so, depressing? Not just depressing, but it just it, it, it's it's just it's just a war of attrition. Like there's nothing particularly enjoyable about the experience, but I enjoy. <laughs> but you're 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 so heavily invested in the yeah. story and the gameplay, and you know it looks amazing and feels amazing. But I can't if if I do two or three hours, I, I just need to I need to step away from it for a while and do something else and and sort of breathe because it's just. It just bogs you down. Otherwise, like if I played that for ten hours straight or something like people do, I think I'd be in a right fucking depressed state afterwards. It is, it is just it is a lot, and it is full on from minute one up until the end. I'd, I should imagine it's it's it doesn't get any brighter. There are very little moments of sort of respite within it. It is very bleak. Sounds like a perfect intro to Burnley, mate. As well, that, <laughs> to be honest. Um... What, Don't um, get me wrong. I'd rather play that game than fucking watch that Burnley game again. Oh, it was it was it was awful. Wasn't Absolute it? dog shit. Just, uh, I mean, do, so the the take 
that I've heard prevailing is that Mourinho got it wrong. Despite winning, Mourinho got it wrong because he gave Burnley too much respect. Right. I mean, for me, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't engaging. It wasn't kind of this swashbuckling Tottenham Hotspur. Mourinho isn't actually boring football that we've seen for the past few weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, But equally the game that we have seen play out home and away so many times against Burnley in particular, West Brom being another example of this, we've actually gone and won it. Yeah. So it is quite hard to say that he hasn't gotten it right. Um, I'll agree and I'll disagree. I think, um, I think if we were talking about the Burnley game in isolation, then I'd be more likely to sort of say that yeah, maybe he should have been more balls out, but we saw what happened when he was balls out against Antwerp and it came and bit him in the arse. Um, so maybe he should have had some of that respect, if that's the word we're going for, when we played that away game in Europe. Um, but it's, it's, the Burnley game was a weird one because he did let them do what they wanted to do. And and a club that's either Tottenham Hotspur really shouldn't be allowing a team like Burnley. I would say no disrespect to them, but it's Burnley, so they can have my disrespect if they want it. Um, yeah, allowing us to to dictate the way that, that we play and, and being reactive to that, that does feel a little bit... Um, the mentality of that does seem a little bit strange, but you, you can't really argue with the end product. I mean, it wasn't a convincing victory by any margin. It was very... They, they were probably had the better chances, Burnley, and, and we were lucky to score the goal we did score because it, was, it really came from nothing. Um, and we didn't really have too many other clean-cut chances. There was one where Sun went through and couldn't get out of his feet that, that really should have been the goal. And perhaps had he scored that one, it would have felt a bit more convincing in a in a perverse way, even though the scoreline wouldn't have changed. The manner of goal and victory might have been a bit different, but it, the fact that it just a, it was a, a lucky set player that Harry Kane managed to get a flick onto, because it, it wasn't as if he he was trying to do what he was trying to do specifically. He just was flicking it back into somewhere that was vaguely dangerous. Um I suppose so, but in in the respect of like luck it it feels you make that, your own luck. Yeah, and you know, it's just it's it's what we've seen opposition to us. Well, yeah, we've seen happen to us, but also we've seen the top teams do, Danny, is it just happenstance that when you've got two incredible players at the peak of their powers in the way that those two guys are, your likelihood of scoring goals like that is is going to increase, isn't it? Yeah, but, I mean, like I say, you can't really argue with the result, but it was just one of those where it, it it's nice to win a game that you were played shit in because yeah. you need to do that over the course of a season if you're going to do anything within the season. I did, I did really quite enjoy the uh, the outrage of a lot of Burnley fans on Twitter who seemed absolutely kind of just aghast at the fact that somebody else would dare perform a smash and grab on them i just thought like the irony of this is unbelievable like the hypocrisy here is is something else you know considering that has been the club's mo in pretty much the entire time they've been in the premier league is to just draw any sense of joy or intrigue out of an occasion and bring it down to a slog and i've that's kind of uh, that's one of those things, right? Isn't it that you know nobody really ever enjoys 
going to Burnley away. It's kind of why it's a meme, isn't it? It's. Yeah. I mean, um, I know it's Stoke everyone away is very is much meme, sort but... of. Um, everyone's kind of looking forward to them getting relegated this year as well. Yeah. Do you think they will? Uh, hopefully. They are. They're 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 a miserable football club. Um, it's one of those where I don't want to be like. Um, too elitist about it and be like, oh, they don't bring anything to the league, but they really don't bring anything to the league. No, like there's there's no redeeming qualities about them. The the manager's depressing. The players they have, there's nobody within that squad that you think, oh, I like seeing them play. There's there's nothing about them whatsoever. The the grounds horrible. The fans fly things over their ground saying white lives matter and stuff. Like there is there's genuinely nothing like to save them as a club. So I, I don't. Yeah, I don't have any sympathy or, or sorry for them if they were to go and, and never come back. I mean, isn't there also... There's also this kind of feeling that, you know, oh, well, you know, they're just kind of plucky Burnley. They are competing against X, Y and Z forces in the Premier League, which I I can accept to a point, but also they've been an established Premier League team for several years now. I mean, they're not run by paupers. Like, there is this kind of idea that this team has to play this way because, you know, otherwise all the players will be eating boot leather and so on and so forth to survive. But, you know, it's still a a multi-million pound football club run by multi-millionaires. Like, there's still money there. They're still playing in one of the elite competition in world sports. Like yeah, I think they're comparatively like a single hair on an arse compared to the rest of the league, even like teams around them. They're, they're probably, what, the smallest team in the league? Who else is up at the minute that would be Bournemouth have gone? They're, they're probably... Fulham might... Uh, yeah, Fulham. But Fulham have the advantage of being in London, which, true. Uh, which you know, might not seem like a big thing, but, but it's no, massive, it is. really. No, because is. imagine you're like a... A player from Liga or something like that, who or a player from the Championship, who's been offered a, a their first place in the Premier League, and you've got equal bids from Burnley and Fulham, <laughs> you're not moving to Lancashire. No, I mean I wouldn't do it whether as a player or not. To be honest, no. I mean it's different. Like even clubs as big as like Leeds, who aren't as big as they once were and aren't as big as they think they are would have a problem attracting players over um, over somebody like Fulham. And the only reason that, that Leeds do have any pulling power at the minute is because they've got Bielsa there. And I'm not being funny, but Sean Dyche and Bielsa, so it's it's not as if they've got anything about them that, that is good. That's why they've got, you know, a, what a pretty much a British 1-11 to 11 with, like, a few Europeans in there. It's not, it's not exciting. Do you... By the line that it's, regardless of kind of the nature of the game, how it played out, it's a significant result for Tottenham in the sense of us aspiring to be title challengers this season. Not really, no. It needs to be backed up. Um, they didn't back that up against Antwerp. There has to be a rule on. It can't just be one or two significant Results. That's not how it works. There needs to be ten or fifteen. If you think about every single title-winning season, at least one of these teams go on a run, and we haven't done it yet. We haven't won a game at home in the league yet. So until we win five or six on the bounce, or don't 
lose a game for 10 or 15 and the majority of those are wins, there's there's nothing significant about it for me. It's just a season where we've had a, a good result against Burnley and a shit one against West Ham. It's peaks and troughs and you ain't going to win a league title peaking and troughing. It's interesting that because it, it, I can imagine it's maddening for somebody like Mourinho whereby he probably gets the feeling every now and again that he's just turned a corner with the team. And then something, for example, like Antwerp happens last night, um, where yep, there was a heavy, there was a heavy rotation there, but you'd still like to think that the momentum and the the feeling that we were onto something bigger this season would kind of feed through the entirety of the squad, and that people would be using an opportunity such as the Antwerp game to really make a case for them starting in the Premier League squad. And I think that that's what kind of stood out for me most about Antwerp. I, I you know, I'm not I'm not losing my ass about it. I think we're still comfortably qualified from our group. We'll probably smash Antwerp at home. We were slightly unlucky. They were defensively magnificent at times actually Antwerp, I thought. Um, yeah, one thing that I I haven't said and I probably should have said at the time when we were texting about it last night and stuff is we I think because we're Tottenham fans and we are kind of just naturally um, self-deprecating we kind of forget that us turning up to Antwerp even though they're the oldest club in Belgium or whatever else is a big ass deal and this is this is the, the the best thing that's probably happened to them in their recent history is Tottenham turning up um, with the likes of Gareth Bale playing and that. So those players will have put in a shift and a performance, even though the ground was empty, that they're never going to have done for a while. And they are in brilliant form and, and they back that up, as you say, with amazing defensive performances oh, and everything. Mate, we, we've been the team that's done that, you know, the Redknapp Champions League season. That's what we were. We were yeah, yeah, relishing yeah. playing against Inter Milan, AC Milan, these sort of teams, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we've turned up with a changed team, just been told, go out and do a job. And we've turned up against an 11 who are there trying to make history. They've got fucking fireworks going off five minutes before full time. Fuck it. Can you imagine like if if that had been the other way around and it, it was our home game against Antwerp and we just you know, we'd bare arsed Meadow one nil, we would have just um we'd have forgotten about the game five minutes after it finished. Yeah. And whereas for them, they'll they'll be front page news today, and that, that's and I'm not taking it away from them. I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just trying to give some context for why the two levels of performance were so different, and and that's no excuse to our players because they're professionals and they were there to do a job, and pull your finger out and earn your place in the team. And I'm sure we'll get onto that, but that's something that's just crossed my mind now that I'd, this... I'd not really vocalised previously. There's an interesting thought in all this. Um... That kind of stems from that. Using the fireworks thing as a springboard. By the way, when those fireworks went off, I did think that Karma was going to give well, them a but, late equaliser. But this is what I want to touch on, because we talk about kind of... So you imagine Antwerp, like you say, they're one of the oldest clubs in Belgium. They are probably uh, Belgian, Manchester United or Liverpool. I'd imagine that you know they've won the title however many times and so on and so forth. So, yeah, okay, maybe in the... Uh, in the... They might well be like a Belgium Everton for all we know, or Sheffield United. And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just I, I don't, I, I don't think they are. I think they are quite one of the bigger teams, like historically right. speaking. I mean, Anderlecht are like the biggest one, but 
I think they're all right, Antwerp. And I just, I'd always wonder, like, yeah, okay, in the grand scheme of, like, European football and stuff, they probably know their place to a degree. But the way certain clubs are wired, if you imagine this, like, certain clubs are wired with this thought that we get stuff over the line, we win stuff, respective to whatever competitions they're in. And with Spurs still... Yeah, Mourinho made this point of saying no more Spursy, this isn't a thing, this doesn't exist. And people will often criticise the fans for bleeding this like prevailing mentality about Spurs, about Spursiness. I, I mean, think we've got a long-term... I don't want to make light of an actual thing, but just for the sake of offhand comment, PTSD with... Spurs repeatedly doing this, the, the the easiest thing for us to do is to sort of slip back into that mentality because it's one that we've had forced upon us so often. But do you think this bleeds into the play? Do you think the players are because I, I the players? I don't know. It's, some, it's something they look I've at social media, right? They look at social media, and it, does it haunt them as well? Do they think like you know bottling it? Spurs have done it again. You know? I don't know, it's something I've always wanted to ask him because it's that famous Chiellini quote, isn't there, when we lost to Juve and he was like, this is the history of the club and whatever else. And yeah. They fucked the final up, so well done, dickhead. Um, Bull cunt. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I've always wanted to ask somebody who, who plays for Spurs how much of that they actually take into account because I think if you if you were to ask a Harry Kane or somebody media trained, they'd be like, Oh no, we don't we, we obviously know it's there but we as we're fans but we don't pay any Danny Rose you want to ask. I was literally about to say yeah. I wanted to ask Danny I want yeah. to ask Danny Rose because he'll turn around and go, Yeah, of course. People's asses do flop. You know, and because you can you can see it now. I the the reason why I use that example is because if you think about a club like Antwerp, they really when you look at it from the outside, you think nine times out of ten We've seen this game, like, it's 80, 85 minutes gone. Spurs haven't really looked that threatening. Fans are letting off fireworks because their prism, their understanding of football is that, really, if we get to 85 minutes in and we've defended well, we're probably going to win because I've seen us win stuff before. Our thing is if we were in Europe and we were playing just, for example, you know, same as last night, but we were playing Barcelona and we were 1-0 up, five minutes to go if i saw any dickhead letting off fireworks outside the ground you'd be going over to them with a bucket of water and chucking them over them do you know what i mean like because you would just be like you fucking stupid shit like they're gonna they are literally gonna win 2-1 now and what it is gonna be is spurs fans let off fireworks on 85 minutes when they're one nil up against barcelona but then i'm just like why 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 don't why are we so scared of this stuff why does it follow us? Why does this kind of idea that, like, you know, it, it, it it's so ridiculous that it is just a meme, you know, like the West Ham game. Ten, like, nine minutes left of a game. We threw a 3-0 lead. Like, we literally make a joke. Like, I'm sure people had made the joke when it went to 3-1. If you're not worried about Spurs throwing away the game now, you're not a proper Spurs fan. You know, yep. it's it that joke will have been made. Uh-huh. Just why? Why why can even Mourinho not 
get this hammered out of us yet. I, mean, I think he's in the process of trying to do that at the moment. But it just seems so insane that... Does I, every club not have this, though, unless you like... I think they do to a degree, mate, but like we, we clearly, clearly really have an issue with this. Like, because the, the example I'm thinking of is City, because they have that whole typical City thing of they'll yeah. find a way of, of fucking something up, and they, they, they do. They have, even though they've got unlimited resources, they do regularly have poor results. and They do, um, but then they've also embarrassed. But had the Aguero saying, moment. And that, that's what know? I'm about to say, is they've, they do have those slack, but we've had the Ajax moment and stuff, like it's comparable. It's not exactly the same, because it didn't ultimately lead to a trophy, but we do have isolated incidents where we don't have that, and I don't know if it's something that, I don't know if it's just the easiest narrative for us to grasp, it's the, it's the, it's the way of us processing it the easiest as football fans is to go oh that's just what happens at Spurs, it's just what happens at Spurs, rather than actually grasping at the fact that it might be different things, it might be something that's more complicated than that to try and just, because there's almost something supernatural about it, the way that we talk about it being something that just sort of goes within the club, because the amount of time it's been there, there's there's nobody at the club other than ownership really who has anything to do with previous Spursiness, if that makes any sense. But just, this, is, this is why I bring the fans into it. Other because, than the fans. <laughs> yeah, exactly, so if there is any way that, and it, it seems almost like a moot point now because n- nobody's in the stadium, but if there is, even just in some way that there's an energy and there's a perception that, you know, journalists see more and more Spurs fans bitching about, oh, of course, this is what Spurs are going to do and so on and so forth. The narrative is built there around us, which then the media, for example, can continue to push this agenda, if you like, that this is what Spurs do. And then the outward perception of the club is that. Is it ultimately, is it on the fans to kind of, to rein it in a bit? To, that There is this idea that there's a self-fulfilling prophecy here. You know, it's it's kind of like that guy who will always be like, you know, uh, you know, no woman's going to, I think we've all had that mate in the past or whatever who's always been like, oh, women just don't like me. Oh, I don't know why I bother, to be honest, so on and so forth. And you're I think kind it's of just like... you with the incel pals, mate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you're just like, you are... no, I only talk to them on the internet, mate. So, you know, usually <laughs> over, a, over, <laughs> over a game of, like, Call of Duty or Minecraft or something. But, um, no, I, I just, you know, and you kind of think, well, if you go into stuff with that attitude, that's... If that's the way you want the world to see you, that's the way they'll see you, and that's the way you'll kind of be treated in kind. Um, I don't know. I do. I do find the whole kind of psychology of this stuff very interesting because I I often wonder. You know, I've 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 had this argument with like Arsenal fans before when they're like, you know, ah, in our shittest era, in your most successful era, we've still won more than you. We've won FA Cups and all this kind of thing. But I'm always like, well. I I still wonder if in kind of certain clutch games, if you like, there are still, even teams who are potentially smaller than Spurs, for, take for example Portsmouth a few years ago in the FA Cup, who still go into these games thinking, 
ah, it's Tottenham at the end of the day, they are beatable. Even if we are really fucking good on paper at that time. And thus there is less of a psychological factor, a psychological, you know, a, a fear there, essentially, of Tottenham. Whereas a team like Arsenal, who have been, I mean, rivalry aside, clap, 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 like the past few years, they've been dog muck. And they have been. They're, they, you know, they're still disorganised, off the field at least. Um, yet they still managed to get some things over the line. They they did win the FA Cup last year. And I do wonder if that's because opposition players still are like, we're playing Arsenal though, and Arsenal win stuff. And it just... It, 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 how much of that bleeds into a player just... Getting more nervous on the ball, a def- like an opposition defender. It could or, do, like you um, know. Do you see the point I'm making? Like I'm not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was about to say, like Fergie has that. It lads, it's Tottenham court, doesn't it? And yeah. If that's all it takes. We 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 do have. The, I think we touched on it before. Is we are seen as a bit of a soft touch, and we are seen as we are seen as a, a team and a club that can be pushed over. Even though to look at us now, we're completely different infrastructurally than the one that was there before and, and had been there for, for decades previously. There's just there's too many instances of us not getting over the line for us to actually retain that. You know, when I was growing up, we were, oh, Tottenham's a cup team, Tottenham's a cup team. The last I wasn't born the last time we won a proper cup. Like it was That was 91 and I was born in 92. Like that's There's an entire generation or three now of Spurs fans that are used to us not really uh, winning anything and it's. I think that's the that that is really the be all and end all for Spurs is we we have to win not just one thing because Wigan can win one thing Portsmouth can win one thing Swansea can win one thing we have to back it up with two three four cups in in a period of ten years we have to have like a generation that actually wins a bit of shit all at once because that's the only thing that will change that mentality and change the narrative and change the mentality within the fan base as well because otherwise we, we will always just be the, the also-rans and I think we, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that as a club and as an institution we have entirely changed because the, the difference between us winning something now and a, and a Swansea or a Wigan or a Portsmouth is they don't have the training centre, they don't have the stadium, they don't have the you know the the global reach and all that sort of shit that we laugh at is is all huge parts of the 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 game now. Um, they're not in the conversation to be part of this European Super League as as you know despicable a, a proposition as that is. You know, for Tottenham to be in that conversation is is ludicrous if you think of where we've come from as a club in in the modern context of it. We we really aren't up to much. We've only been decent for what ten years at a push now, really. Probably yeah. So yeah. it's that, and that's ten years where we're getting to a point where we can be in the conversation to win titles. That's not happened overnight, and now this is a fresh decade. We've got to go from, you know, the two thousand and tens. If we spent that getting to this point. The next 10 years, we have to actually fucking do something about it. Otherwise, all that will have been for now and we'll have a shiny stadium and a, an amazing training ground that, that doesn't really mean anything. We'll, we'll become what Arsenal are now, which is essentially just a going through the motions and, and we can't do that. And I don't think with a, 
the manager we do with the players we do and with the even the fan base that we do in ownership, I think there's more ambition than that. Um, at least I hope there is. And uh, I think uh, it's still early days, if you think about it, with we haven't had a a squad turnover as drastic as this for I don't know how many years. So f- to try and bed them all in at once is a task. They're all still learning Mourinho football really for the first time because last season was a truncated year. He came in midway through the season while we were at our lowest ebb, was trying to turn it around and then a pandemic hit. They completely went, you know, as everyone else did, were, had their lives and seasons paused for several months, had to come back and finish a pretend season really. Um, and they finished that well, uh, but you know whether that whether or not that was just because they were sort of fit again and and you know we had the good players to do it. But now we've changed the team. We're, we're trying to change how we play, change the mentality. There's a lot of change happening. It's it is still a transitional period for us, and, and it, it just so happens that it's happening in another weird season where if somebody anybody puts a run together, they can they can do something just because. Nobody really seems amazing this year. Liverpool have got one fit senior defender. Man City seem, you know, so hot and cold and so unpredictable that, you know, I think it's probably Guardiola's time done there now because it seems as if the players are just mentally exhausted of trying to play for a man that demands that much of them. Yeah, and they seem, they've seem they also kind of had the thing that Potcher's team had, right? You know, they've lost David Silva, Aguero, company. Yeah, you yeah. know, Fernandinho's gone. You know, it's... They just need a. It's a whole new cycle for them now, isn't it? Really. Yeah, and and Guardiola's not going to be there for that entire no. period. And Man United are, are really Jekyll and Hyde. They've. I still think Solskjaer is not very good, but he's got enough good players that occasionally he can have a good result. But they're not going to put a, a run together enough to win a league. Maybe they'll sneak into a top six or a top four. Arsenal, as I say, really treading water. They're transitional again, but really, they're not amazing. Um, Everton in a similar position to us they're almost like a they remind me of Redknapp's Tottenham to be honest where yeah. they're sort of flatter to deceive and you know Carlo's the Italian Harry really so they, if he can uh, they're slightly disrespectful to him but it's, <laughs> it's um, you can see the, the point I'm making it, it's 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 one of those seasons where yeah. you know a Leicester can win it or, or whatever Chelsea is shit because Lampard's shit um, and the, Chelsea really with the squad they have should be incredible but they don't have a manager worth their while Leicester um, could do it again yeah but again they've got injuries now both full backs are injured and um, what do you call it uh, Brendan Rodgers isn't isn't amazing I mean they, they completely fell apart at the end of last season so it's um, it's a strange place to be in isn't it because I don't I don't for any <sighs> I don't by any means think that Spurs should win the league. And I, I don't think it's, you know, kind of something that we can get overly annoyed with the team if they don't. But the flip side of that is, as you say, there is such an opportunity there this year that you can't help but feel, again, this will be one of those seasons that we'll look back on and think, Fucking hell, remember that pandemic year when Aston Villa won the Premier League? There was the fucking ball dropped, you know? And it, 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 it uh, you know, the, the whole Leicester season really has kind of blown the idea of what's achievable and what's possible 
out the water because it, it, it doesn't... It, I don't even mean that to be churlish or to be OTT. Like as you say, this is just one of those seasons where I, I honestly wouldn't be that surprised if somebody like Villa did just win it. You know, just it, it, I'm not saying they will, but I'm just, I'm also saying that it to me there is just that opportunity. I th- I think equally, it will be interesting to see how Liverpool do cope defensively, but I I. Yeah, they're still the team to beat, right? They're still the best yeah, team in the country. No, well, but there's nothing stopping either City or Liverpool really going on like a 10-game unbeaten no, run no. and putting a bit of distance between themselves where they can just sort of paddle their way to a, a, a title by the end of it. And I don't really see us there. I think the further away we get away from it, I think mentally that, that 6-1 against Man United might have been a bit harmful for us because I think it might have given us a bit of false hope and pro- false promise that we were further ahead than we were and I think yeah. that, I think you know we get frustrated with people in analysis after immediately after games like that because they always talk about the team that lost but perhaps that game was more about the team that lost than the team that won and obviously we were fantastic on that day and our mentality on that day was amazing but subsequently we haven't backed it up and we don't really deserve the the praise or to dine out on that one result too much because they haven't replicated that since. They did for 15 minutes against West Ham. And then I think they they started to believe too much in themselves and not believe too much in themselves, but almost like get carried away with their own hype a little bit and sort of take their eye off the ball. And I think us as fans, we did that as well because we're so desperate for for anything good or... or uh, or you know any sniff of silverware, we're kind of like, oh shit, this is it, this is it, this so is it. It's a bit of a sliding doors that Bale moment, isn't it? In that maybe even for Bale's return to Tottenham and for Tottenham in general against West Ham. Yeah, I think it's unfair to to. Um, oh yeah, I'm not I'm not lumping him in with anything. I just mean no, but I think him in general because there are already people who are like, oh, it's the Bale curse returned and whatever. Yeah, but it's ridiculous, though, isn't it? Like, I mean, it is. I kind of feel sorry for the bloke because he he's obviously like sort of mentally and sort of emotionally that he seems like a changed man physically he seems like he's really struggling and that's only understandable because he, he hasn't played meaningful football for over a year no. and he's come back into a league that's more physically demanding he's come into a team that is expecting a lot of him and the narrative around him is, is huge but he's just not there yet he's going to be it's going to be up until Christmas if not the new year when we actually see him start to get match fitness and sharpness and then that's not even that that's not form that's just level baseline of, of where he should be as a professional athlete um and it's it's he, he will be lacking a, a bit of belief because it's not until he cracks one in a top corner that he's, he's going to be able to kind of sit there and think okay i'm still gareth bale i can still do this there's always some doubt on his mind the way it ended at madrid and everything else so that's a an interesting um, sort of subplot of our season is is what happens with him because I'd really love him to have a, an amazing second half of the season and to properly take off because if you even remember that season that he had, the season that he joined Madrid after, he wasn't amazing at the start of it. It was really sort of getting towards January onwards that he, he really took off. Um, um, so it's, yeah, I'd... I'd that's a another little side point. There's, there's so many little strings and tangents to to where we're at at the minute that um, have a lot to say for our 
our immediate future because it's um it's just interesting where we're where we're going really because there's there's little spots around the squad that could become settled and could be great or they they could be problem spots and, and, yeah. and stuff that um going forward if, if you know we need to get son a new contract and we need to get him a contract so good that you know n- nobody wants to try and come in for him or he doesn't fancy leaving because really if you think of you know madrid but he nazar for 100 million this sh- selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Put a bots on instead because it'd be far fucking better off for it. Yeah. I mean, it's, speaking to him, I think it's, it is very interesting, isn't it? Because the... The thing about Son is I've always felt quite comfortable that the top teams aren't going to come in for him because I I've I tweeted it years ago and I yeah it was kind of before he went on an absolute madness but I still think there's been some truth to it in that Son I've always felt has just as much talent as somebody like Salah but probably the past few years what's separated them is that Salah's has been ruthless and Son as we've seen is streaky sometimes he takes too long to yeah if he's if he's given too long to think about something he 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 will fluff it he usually acts better on instinct so on and so forth but it just seems to be now that surprise surprise you know he's turned 28 he's probably peaking that He's just added that final piece to his game, that ruthlessness. And he might still, you know, this might just be a hot streak for him, but it feels a bit different. The type of opportunities that he's putting away now, the way in which he's just holding himself, it feels to be... I I, I personally, I kind of like, I sort of really thought about what you said when we'd sort of spoken about it previously, about how the way in which Mourinho has essentially platformed Son, it seems to be that he's really elevated him to being like, you are one of our main guys. Whereas under Pochettino, you often kind of got the idea that he was just part of Poch's system, if you like. He's just one of the guys. Yeah, whereas like you can imagine Mourinho has been like, you are the guy. You and Harry, you are the guys. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I think Son is really reveling in that. And it's it sounds like you know, it's it's really it's a really base assertion. But there is also that part of me that thinks that if 
Son and Kane continue this form, regardless of the various other problems that we do have, if Son and Kane continue this form, in the league at least, I kind of don't see how we can't not win the Premier League. Because I just I just think a, a team that has an attack as potent as we do will invariably win football matches, and that's you've actually got to have a functional defence at the same point. Though. I suppose so, but we haven't actually conceded that many goals from open play, you know. Yeah, but the goals we do concede are absolute shit shows. They are. They generally are. It's um, not like a team has to play incredible football to get through us. They just have to play football. Yeah, and it's. It is a worry, and it is. It's just, it is frustrating. I'm, I'm hoping that Rodon will actually be uh, as good as he's, you know, kind of been talked up to be. But I think the fact that you're hoping that a lad stepping up from the Championship, who's had probably one good season in the Championship as as well, mm. is a sign of where we're at at the moment. Because um, to- I think that the know. one thing about the um, Burnley game. If we go back to that, is defensively we were brilliant because that's a we place we were. That was vintage Toby, um, back to his sort of best in the wars. Didn't put a foot wrong. Eric Dyer, to be fair to him, was excellent yep. as well. Though it is, you know, he's dividing people and it, it's unfair because it's a big move for him. He's, he was at Wolves for what over a decade, and you know, he's not a big name player. So to to come to a a club as big as Spurs is is going to be a real culture shock for him. Um, and uh, he's just about bedding in. Um, so it's um, it's just finding the right balance in the defence, I think, because we keep on changing things. And I think, I think we because we actually have some squad depth, we're using it, and maybe we're overusing it. Maybe we need to because we have had so many games of football. We we we're trying not to get anyone crocked, but at the same time, we need to we need to keep momentum up as well. Um, so they just need to find a balance because remember there was that one Liverpool season where Benitez could have won the league and maybe should have won the league with them and he didn't and a lot of people said it was because he just changed the team too much and Man United won it because like Fergie would hardly ever change their 11 and what have you. Um, maybe we're doing something similar to that. Maybe we're just trying to overcomplicate something when we've got you know, a really good team. I, I think I, I was I was as guilty of that as anyone because I said to you, I went on that little rant, not rant or soliloquy or whatever monologue, saying, look, we, it's horses for courses now. We've got a, a squad where we can sort of pick your poison and we can rotate players in and out and it's less about having the best 11 possible and we don't have to fixate on who's in our best 11 and stuff because we've got enough players that we can rotate and not miss much and bring different elements in. And while that remains true, some point you you kind of just <laughs> you've got to have a yeah. best team as yeah, well. Yeah, you do. You kind of you know if we were to say we were in a cup final or something, I wouldn't want to be going into a cup final going oh I wonder who we'll pick for the opposition. I'd kind of want to go in going, this is who we know our boys are. This is who we know is going to do it for us. And while we have an element of that, you know, Son and Kane are obviously going to be there. Ondan Bele is obviously going to be there. Alderweireld, to an extent, is going to be there. Uh, Heuberger will be in there. It's, it's sort of... we. On top of that, there's still a lot of questions. We don't know, you know, is, does he want to play La Celso and Ondan Bele together? Um, all this other shit, is he going to put Sissoko in for some reason? Is it going to be Lamella on the right, Lucas on the right, Bale on the right? Like We're not entirely sure yet, so... 
there's a there's a lot of working out left to be done at Spurs, and I think we are. I think we were just. I think we were just a bit premature in the summer and after the window of patting ourselves on the back and saying, "Oh, we finally had a great window. We're finally playing the the football that Mourinho wants." We had those three games in a week against Chelsea. Was it Maccabi Haifa and and Man United or Lask or someone so, where yeah. where we you know. We won all of them, and we won. You know, the the crescendo of that was the the six one, and then we had that international break, which might have just come at the wrong time. And um, yeah, I think we we maybe a, a, a slightly guilty of putting the cart before the horse, and and that's something I accuse the players of themselves after that West Ham game of of maybe just um, taking their eye off the ball a bit. But they, it's just. Um, it's not the end of the world, like you said, and like we said at the, the start after that um, after that result in Antwerp. But it's, it's we just need to need to fix these little things and and be much better than than when we are. Because at the moment we're less than the sum of our parts. And and under Pochettino, it was a complete and utter opposite. Um, he was always overachieving with the squad and with the lack of investment and with what we had available to us. And um, we don't really have the excuse for that anymore, and and the sort of the narrative and the the expectation around the management we have now is completely different as well because he's not he's not said anything the way that Poch, he's not had to ask for anything the way Pochettino has anything mm. he has asked for he's been given, um so he he's got the tools available to him to to do the job he said he can do and he's got to back himself and actually do it now um and there's there's little. There's little things that he does that uh, uh, maybe he's just working it out for himself, and I'm by no means writing him off and saying I've gone cold on him or anything because I still think he'll he'll do something, even if it's an FA Cup or something like that, or you know Europa League's not out of the question. Um, the league is something just uh, I feel uncomfortable considering because I, I, I just I kind of feel as if we're we kind of feel uh, as if we're getting a bit too big for our boots to try and insert ourselves into that conversation to, to be honest I know it's Nija but my heart hearts on that one it, it went with West Ham like I, I sort of because I did start to get fucking excited about the league and everything and then West Ham happened and I know whatever you can say it's a freak result and whatever but still to me it was just like nah it's not happening if I was to play devil's advocate even in all of those Man United title winning teams under Fergie we, we saw they always had one horror result a season where they'd like lose to Wigan or something like that or Blackburn maybe but they're, they're still Man United they still like we were talking yeah, about earlier yeah. they had the momentum of previous whatever yeah, yeah. for me it's still like that it's it's still not gone yet it's still those kind of that that irritating kind of habit we have of just not getting stuff down this is yeah we haven't exercised the demon yet and it's like we the whole pod has been about thus far is it's a process and that's kind of why you know if we sort of go to Antwerp last night and we talk about kind of the makeup of the game I, I looked at the starting lineup and I just thought yeah this looks tasty I like the look of this I really liked it I, yeah. I tweeted something similar yeah and what irritated me, to be honest, is the and who am I to question Jose Mourinho? You know, I, I've kind of reconciled this. I've gone on this journey of not liking him, accepting that he's here, and now kind of thinking, well, you know, just noticing certain things that I'm like, well, of course, a manager that's won the lot is doing well, and 
even with that in mind, I I just I didn't like the four subs at half time thing. I know people said it was punchy and it was this and I thought it was to me it just it felt overly petulant. It felt overly showy. It felt too kind of throwing players under the bus, which I think is kind of fair enough if we're talking about this is a a team that's done this several times, but you've just rotated a load of these lads into here. They're playing against a team that I think hasn't lost all season or something yet. And still, yeah, okay, it's Antwerp and whatever, and they're playing against a load of, like, you know, waffle farmers or whatever. (laughs) But week in, week out. But still, you know, they are... Like you were saying, they're a settled team that wants to play against one of the big boys of European football. And we've got a largely rotated squad that... Yeah, really, okay, they looked a bit underwhelming, but they were 1-0 down and they could have gone on from there. To make four substitutions at half-time, it just felt, it felt OTT, especially taking off like Vinicius, who was having a really good game, you know, because all that's going to do is pave the way for, as we saw, Kane coming on in like the... 50th 60th minute and I think yeah when Mourinho's talked about the importance of saving Kane how important he is like needing that backup striker to then kind of throw the backup striker who's had what a, a one game of football in his time since he's come to the team giving him half half a game it it just it, it all felt a bit faster and I felt that even for Mourinho it was a bit like Come on, lad, rein it in a bit. Like I don't think I think you're acting quite emotionally here. You're not really thinking about this in a smart way. But then, like I say, maybe maybe this is what we need. Maybe we need this no prisoners. Like if we're talking about how we exercise this demon of being a soft touch or being that is, as he's always said, it's about being nasty. It's about showing people that there's no prisoners. It's about the fact that he's not gonna except anything less than perfect from them. And if he sees something and he's not happy with it, as he said, he'll let you know. I'll let you know when I'm not happy with you. I'll let you know when you're not in the team, you know? His backup for that will be that he's done it to bigger players at bigger clubs and it's worked for him. Um, And he's done it, to be fair, he's he's done similar sort of stunty kind of things. And I don't think he... I think there's probably some percentage of it that he does as a stunt, but I think there's probably some tactical reason behind it and him trying to really change the game and why he's trying to do it. I remember there was a game where he subbed Derek Dyer off before half-time and, and I think that was part of the documentary as well, the Amazon documentary of Eric Dyer being like, I've never had that happen to me before kind of a thing. Um, but for me, kind of, the four subs at half-time was sort of the managerial equivalent of like turning up to a lasso's dumped you, I won't go out with you with a boombox on your shoulder. It was just, it was too, too showy and too... Um, cringy, especially because the way I, I repeat essentially what I texted you last night in that making that amount of subs at half time essentially is an admission that you picked the wrong team. And then if you fail to change the game, having made those changes, you effectively have picked the wrong team twice and then failed to fix it. Yeah. And then when you bring on Kane, you then undoing as you say what you've previously said in that 
we don't want to use these players. We're, we're trying to keep minutes out of their legs. We're trying to have this squad and, and, and rotate. And you've you've then failed on three fronts. Whereas if you'd have just given the 11 that were already on the field, you know, another 15, 20 minutes to try and fix it themselves, maybe they would have gone another goal down. Maybe they would have been poor, but at least you've got to give them enough rope to hang themselves with. Uh, that's my opinion on it. In that they have to be given some sort of chance to redeem themselves, yeah, exactly. and if they and if they cannot redeem themselves, that's at the point that you take four of them off and go, you were shit for forty five minutes. Fine, that happens. You were shit for the fifteen subsequent fifteen twenty minutes. That's enough. I've seen enough. Get the fuck off the pitch. But to do it at half time, especially for players like, as you say, Vinicius, but Ali and Bergvine. Bergman coming back from injury kind of looks like he's a bit starstruck to me. Like, I think, I was thinking about this last night, I kind of feel a bit sorry for him because I feel as if he's, feels a bit put out of place now because of Bale coming in. Because I don't think anyone expected that deal to happen. I don't think in the sort of the, the makeup of the squad, anyone was planning for Gareth Bale to be a Tottenham player again. And, no. uh, and Bergwijn especially, I don't think he was bought with Bale to come in on mind. And he's kind of sat there now thinking, you know, and it was the same in that West Ham game he started. He was so peripheral because I think he's kind of just sat there thinking, I'm I'm the warm-up act here. I'm the, I'm the first band on before the main act gets on. Like, nobody's come here to watch me or cheer for me. Nobody really cares about what I'm going to do. We're waiting for the headliner to get on. And he's just played like that ever since. And he seems like a quite a, a quiet, timid bloke, even though he's full of tattoos and all that and, and seems as if he'd be, you know, up his own ass. He seems quite soft. And it seems as if we, we we might have just knocked his confidence a bit by kind of going, OK, you, you were behind, you were sort of fourth choice previously, you're now fifth or sixth or whatever. Like it's Because even Lamella and, and Lucas are getting more minutes than he is now. Well, but, I mean, the, the funny thing is, like you say, it, it almost seems to be that since Bale's come in, Lamella and Lucas have taken that as like, right, well, we got to fight for our fucking place in the team now because two of them have been, you know, Lucas, I thought, was brilliant last night when he came on. Right? Yeah. And I don't know, I, because I, I agree with you entirely on that. Like, I, I think that, I think the strong caveat to that, to this, is that we don't know what's happened in the changing room at halftime. Maybe there's been a big old fucking ding dong and whatever, especially maybe with Ali and Mourinho. It, somebody had said that there was a big argument going on between the two of them on the pitch during the game. And I think it's no secret now that the relationship between those two seems to be pretty sour. But I'm 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 always cautious of the of the media controlling the narrative on these type of things. You know, I I still kind of have a feeling that Jose Mourinho is... I, I still feel like he knows he has a real asset in a player like Ali, and well, he's trying to that... he's trying to wind him up to the point... He's probably... I, th- I think he's learnt from just knowing what Ali's like, from hearing about what Ali's like, that Ali plays at his best when he's being able to just shut people up, you know? And I reckon he's probably just trying to make himself the enemy that Ali wants to fucking ram it down his throat and be like, fucking play me, you old Portuguese cunt. You know? like. Well, here's the thing. Is, uh, Mourinho's not an idiot. He knows that his squad and his team are much better if he has a, a informed Deli Ali available to him. 
And I don't think he is actually going out of his way to sort of negatively impact his confidence or mood or career in any way. No. I think if he was, then he would have just fucked him off in the yeah. summer. Like, like he's done with Danny Rose. Yeah. Um, But I think... He, I think there is a process to it, and we go back to how we treated on Dembele as well. And and he's been our best player this season, sort of Son and and Kane aside. He, to be honest, I'd put him alongside him because I, I, I tweeted out, yeah. I tweeted out last night. Like, can anybody remember a point in the season where we've looked any decent on the field and on Dembele hasn't been at the you know at the heart of it? That's a good point. Because I g- genuinely don't think there has been a game where we've been decent and he's not played. Um, so there's that, and there's, uh, you, you know, even, you know, West Ham, we went to shit when he went off and everything. Um, it's just sort of, a, something needs to click with him, something needs to happen, because he's not become a terrible player overnight, and I don't think we want to get rid of him. I don't think Levy especially wants to get rid of him, because probably commercially he sells as many shirts as anyone else and stuff, and, you know, a big England international and big name and everything. He just needs to back that up, and... He just needs to show that he has the ability to back it up as well, and we know he has the natural ability to. But he just needs to sort of concentrate a bit more. And you know, nights like last last night were were real chances for him to actually turn up because they were a good team behind him. Yeah. And with Lacelso there, with Bale playing, with Vinicius, the like one thing I was really looking forward to and really genuinely thought was going to happen after seeing Vinicius play that first game is if he's back to goal and he's knocking off and he's flicking off and he's you know he's constantly looking for people, Delhi at his best is playing on the shoulder, getting beyond him, picking up on those little flicks and kicks and you know, being the one who times his run right and, and is in the right place at the right time to feed off those and they just didn't get the chance to to do anything close to that and really that is something that should work but it just it just didn't and uh, it's a real shame and I hope he's you know it doesn't become a lost cause because it's a, it's a higher high wire act what Mourinho is doing because he can you know the flip side of this is he you know he, he winds him up and he makes him the player we know he can be and all that bollocks but or he destroys his confidence and the guy's never the same again and doesn't want to play for Spurs anymore um there's, you know, there's there's two very similar things, and it's not just since Mourinho came in that Delhi was bad because there was a whole thing when he first arrived that you know Delhi was, you know, back to his best and stuff because he had been poor for a while under Pochettino essentially, and I think I said this on the last pod when Pochettino's teams were at their best, Delhi Ali was his best, and when we were at our poorest under him, so was Delhi, and I think he took that to heart a lot, and he's still a young guy, he's still got a lot of football ahead of him, he just needs. There's a there's a process here that neither of us are qualified qualified to sort of really articulate that that needs to happen where he just he takes that next step into being the next type of player he's going to be and 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 reminding himself of who he is and how he plays and what he does. I still can't help but think that this. When I was thinking about like last night, and I've seen the fallout since about you know whatever, Mourinho and Ali, blah blah blah. Which, again, like I say, I'm very wary of allowing the media to control the narrative on these type of things. Um, not in a, not in an MSM, Alex Jones kind of way. But uh, I, just, I just ultimately feel that maybe that loan move, a season, PSG, piss all over a farmer's league, become best mates with Neymar... Do you know what I mean? Have a few fucking good nights out in Paris and whatever. 
it could have just been a good little like footballing holiday for him and he could have come back kind of fresh and like you say it it could have been that thing that pushed him on to take to sort of take something from that and to bring that back to Tottenham with renewed kind of vigor renewed confidence or whatever just that that sense of what it takes to get something over the line but I think had he gone I don't think he would have come back I almost saw that as a yeah maybe I almost saw that as you know like in relationships when like it gets to the point where one of you needs a shock and they're like we need to break up or we need a break or something like that and just the words or the threat of that is enough to kind of get your arse in gear rather than the reality of it I think it was more you know the club saying to Delhi, book your ideas up or we are prepared to go our separate ways um, because he he might have felt really secure and comfortable in where he was and, and what have you and we don't know how much of it came from him but um, it's just one of those where yeah I, I don't think had he had he gone out of the door on loan or on loan he, he would have come back at all I was I was kind of thinking that as I was saying that about him but yeah you know I I don't know it, it's a real shame because I'm you know, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a long-term fan of Deli Ali, and I still I stand by a lot of stuff I've said about him in the past. I do think he's a generational talent. I think he's a very special footballer. I think he's, I think he's got the world at his feet. I don't think he's peaked too. Early. I don't buy any of that shit that he's peaked too early. That he's distracted because he's doing boohoo adverts and whatever do you know what i mean like I don't, yeah. it's just it's just such like trite gammonly sort of rhetoric around that sort of thing that i'm just like there's something there there's like there's been a knock to his confidence or there's a sort of there's a hunger that's kind of missing at the moment that i i you know i i hate to i hate to see it go this toxic with spurs because Ultimately, I think he's a. I think he seems like a nice kid. I think he seems like a nice lad, and I'd I'd want him to do well. And I don't want him to become one of these players that just kind of falls down. You know, just kind of just sort of slips through. Not even just our fingers, through the fingers of like himself. I guess I don't know of like the footballing gods that he does just end up becoming a player that moves to a crystal palace or something like that do you know what i mean and just like spends his career having a few good games a season like you know like i kind of i still whatever you want to say about him i still kind of feel for a player like wilfred zaha because i i think he could be playing at a much higher level than crystal palace i don't i don't really buy that he's a you know, a ninety million pound player or whatever ridiculous figure it is that Crystal Palace want for him, but could no, could he think... play for someone like Spurs? Yeah, I think he could. I do. I think he's a talented footballer. And I think the the point with his fee, sorry, is um is more that he's worth ninety million to Crystal yeah, Palace rather than of course he is, of course he is. But do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. it's like a, he's a victim of circumstance in that respect. In that. You know, it didn't work out for him at United for whatever reason. They weren't patient enough with him, and thus he sort of ended up being that player that you know is probably not going to get his move at the right time. And I, I can, you can comfortably see him 
getting that move to Chelsea or somewhere like that in a couple of years and just underwhelming because it hasn't come from it at the right time. And mm-hmm. I don't, I really don't want the reverse to happen to Ali. I really don't want to see him end up somewhere that's shite like that. And I would like to just see someone like Madrid or PSG if it's not going to work at Tottenham anymore. Because like I say, I, I really like him and I can't, you just, you just can't help but think in a way that it maybe is just the end of the road for him at Tottenham. And I, I don't I could see him I, going I, to a you know. I could see him going to a Tottenham equivalent. I could see him going to a an Inter or a um Atletico or um who else is Dortmund. There? I'd love to see him Dortmund, at Dortmund, yeah. You know? Yeah, Dortmund he'd be good at. Loads of places that he could go and sort of refine refined his form and everything. Um, but it's just uh, yeah, it's a difficult, difficult scenario because it, at the minute with the system we're playing and everything as well, there's no natural place for exactly. That's for that's what I mean by the end of the road. I don't mean it because he's fallen out with Mourinho and stuff. It just feels that the project has almost moved past him in a way. You know, mm. the project. I know, but. Who knows? I mean, it, it it might just be one of those things that if we've learnt from Ericsson, we'll probably know that now is maybe the time to cash in. And I mean, a few years left well, on we'll his say, contract. Speaking and... of him, we got we were fucking asking for him back if uh, rumours are to be correct in, in the summer, saying, well, we'll have him back on loan if you don't want him. I, I can't see that happening, can you, though? No, but I think Inter Milan flat turned it down. Uh, we offered to loan him back. And oh, really? Like, no, no we, want him, we want to get rid of him permanently. And we're like, oh, we we're not paying you more money than you gave us for him, no. so you can keep him. No, I, I don't. I don't really feel there's a place for him in this team anyway, either. To be honest, and it just I don't know, that ship sailed a bit. And I, I know he did some great stuff for us, but it, it's going to be annoying if he comes back though and joins like an Everton or an Arsenal or something in his fucking class again, though. Uh, there's every chance that can happen, mate. I think though. Uh, Arsenal are crying out for a player like him, I think, at the moment. Well, they've got one sat on the f- well, fucking yeah. stands. But he's he's dead to question <laughs> Yeah, things that he has been told he shouldn't do by, well, I don't know, whatever, I don't want to get into that one. I'd take him on a free and have Mourinho manage him again. But he was horrible to him as well, wasn't he? He, he fell out of him big time. Mm. Yeah, he falls out of everyone, doesn't he? Fucking miserable bastard! You were uh, you didn't like his Instagram post, either, did you? A lot of people have said he's won. The- you sir have won the internet. Is oh all no, that I bollocks. found it really awkward because he must have sat there and like posed angrily for it because that's not a candid photograph. Nobody's just walked on the bus and like randomly taken a picture for him of him pissed off in his mask. He sat there and thought about it and somebody as a fucking 60-odd-year-old man got, oh, I need to look annoyed. Can you take a picture for me Instagram? <laughs> it's just awkward. And then his caption, like, fair enough. But I think something should just be kept behind a closed door. Yeah. Just because he's yeah. on Instagram doesn't mean he has to post everything. Like, his post with the three Europa League balls and stuff is nice. His post, like, Bobby Robson is nice. You know, he's those are the type of nice touches. If you've won a game or, you know, even, like, the dad banter of all, they're all on their phone after we've won a game, that's fine. Like, you've won a game of football, like, that's fine. But if you lose, you don't have to post. No. You don't have to put anything on. Like, you can say you're annoyed in the press conferences and stuff. That's what they're there for. We don't need your Instagram post of you looking mad because, 
you know, you may well feel that way and you may well be reflecting an awful lot of emotions with everyone else and it's probably good for a number of fans for them to know you're annoyed and you're grabbing them back in and those young whippersnappers are going to get their asses pulled into gear. But you're a 65-year-old man or whatever you are like, can you not? Can you not? <laughs> that's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, isn't it? I, I, yeah, I was sort of ambivalent about it. I do, I find the whole thing, it's... It is a bit weird and it's all very like it's a brand, isn't it? That's the thing I don't like mm-hmm. about it. It's it's the Mourinho brand. It's like he is a product. He's commodified himself. It's kind of weird, really. Um but I I I get it. I understand it. Well, you can't go 5 minutes without seeing his fucking face on um one of those adverts. Was it no. the special one advert? Is yeah. it Paddy Power? Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for that contract to run out because I really don't enjoy seeing our manager doing fucking Paddy Power adverts. No, I, yeah. It's, oh, I don't know. Um, Brighton coming up this weekend. We don't need to go into it too much. I just, I think it's going to be a tough game. I actually quite like Graham Potter. I think he's got him playing. I don't think it's going to be, well, good football. Uh, this famous last words, but Brighton try and play football and we're decent against That's teams true. that try and play football. That's true. So I'd can't, and hopefully, given that. We've been shit for two games and had the rocket up them and against two teams that didn't really play much football. Um, you know, Kane and Son can find some room. We can stick in on Dembele and Lacelso and uh, we can actually play some fucking football. We're going to have seagull and chips for, for dinner. Something like that. Yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, well, that, that that's before our inevitable like 2-1 loss. <laughs> um. That feels like a good place to end it. So what life? Maybe yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's where this is all leading to. I have this been podcast having... was always going to end in like a suicide pact of some sort. I've been, I've been having these weird thoughts all throughout kind of uh, lockdown and stuff. Like my mind has what, wandered. Of Harry Carey. Of just uh, of, <laughs> of. I'm not the Samaritans, Jack. This is uh, not the right place for this conversation. Uh, more of like that. This is all a simulation theory. That. Every- <laughs> Everything that's going on is just my consciousness, my understanding. Wait a second, I'm just going to take a hit of DMT before you continue. Of everything slowly <laughs> falling to pieces. That I'm having these like waves of fleeting kind of euphoria in Spurs, like doing all right, 6 1 and this, but then it's getting slowly sapped away by a West Ham 3 3 or by, you know, whatever tier systems being introduced or and it's just it's all that's it i am the center of the universe everything revolves around me and this is just existence is just a metaphor for my own gradual slip into the abyss and i'm never gonna see tottenham win the league and we're gonna get close and then that's it the apocalypse comes and it finally goes anyway I hope you've enjoyed the podcast and uh, yeah we'll do another one soon
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.